Hi, this is Joy Smith. You're listening to The Northern Report. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, friends. Welcome to The Northern Report. I'm your host, Sean Burns, and I'm coming right at you from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Here on The Northern Report, I aim to shine a light on emerging and existing Canadian talent, as well as some of the legends we're still lucky to have with us. My guest on today's show is Joyce Smith. Joyce was among Canada's very first female country stars. She performed as a teenager on radio and television shows aired out of Edmonton, Alberta, and in her late teens joined on as part of the Rogers Brothers group, touring throughout Western Canada and opening shows for many of Nashville's top touring artists of the day. Following a run with Webb Pierce, Joyce was invited to Nashville, where she recorded a session under the direction of the legendary Owen Bradley and backed by some of Earth's finest ever musicians. One of the songs from that session was Leaving On Your Mind. It became an immediate radio hit in the United States, selling in excess of 100,000 copies and earned Joyce a CMA nomination for Most Promising New Female Vocalist. It was shortly thereafter that Owen Bradley recorded the same song with Patsy Cline. Cline's version was among the last songs recorded prior to her tragic death in 1963. Landing down in Fort Worth, Texas, Joyce secured a slot as a regular performer at the famed Panther Hall. It was there she met Bob Wills and would go on to sing with Bob and the Texas Playboys at Panther Hall and a number of syndicated radio programs. After returning to Alberta to raise a family, Joyce remained active, performing and recording, cementing herself among the top of the heap for Western Canadian country music artists over several decades. After her time at Decca Records, Joyce went on to record albums for The Point, Broadland and Royalty labels, charting several singles in the process. Joyce has been inducted into the Alberta Country Music Hall of Fame and has been presented with the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Alberta Women of Country Music Organization. In 2010, Joyce Smith was inducted into the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame. Folks, I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with the legendary Joyce Smith. Just like to, uh, like to talk to you about country music. Okay. Which is... Uh, appears to be your specialty. <laughs> well, that's what I've done all my life, I guess. <laughs> um, if we could get started kind of early on in the beginning, um, wh- where did you grow up? Well, um, I was born in Lethbridge, Alberta, and I grew up uh, in, mostly around Edmonton, I guess you might say. What was, what was Edmonton like back then? Because it's a pretty big city now. Oh, it's huge now, but back then it was a small city. Uh, it was great. I liked it then better, I think. <laughs> Still had like a rural feel, even though it was one of the bigger yeah. centers in the province? Yeah, yeah. So was was there much music being played around your house in those days, records or radio? Well, yeah, we played country radio all the time. You know, my parents liked country music, so we listened to country music all the time. And I was about, oh, maybe about 14, 13, 14 years old. Um, I was singing at home, and... Uh, there was a local radio program on one of the stations here and they had a live, they had a hall. So they had a live audience and they would have, um, 
you know, a show every Thursday, I think it was, on the radio, and we'd go over there and audition. On the Wednesday and Thursday, if we were okay, they'd put us on the radio on, you know, on Thursday. So wow, so it just worked like that. Like it, it wasn't. It was the regional, local acts, and and you were oh, able very to, local. You're able to go down there and audition and get on the radio. So how old are you when you're going down there and auditioning and and getting a chance to be on the shows? I think I was about thirteen. Wow, were you playing guitar at that point as well? Yeah, yeah, not very well, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was teaching you how to play and sing? Is just a pretty natural. Well, thing? I kind of I kind of learned from friends. You know that some friends that had maybe played a little bit. I'd learn a chord here and there, so I ended up doing that. And then later, later, of course, I learned a little bit more through a, through. A, I worked with a band and stuff like that, and I learned to play rhythm guitar. So, do you remember any of the uh, any of the local acts from those days that would have been on those radio shows that were more? Oh popular? yeah, yeah. Like even now to this day, we're still a lot of us are still friends. You know, uh, some of course have passed away because we're all older. But Jimmy Arthur Orge was one that was uh, a Grammy winner. Um, not a Grammy. What did what, what was that? I think he won a Juno. Juno, that yeah, was it. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or was that? Anyway, he's won. He won that a couple of times way back in the day, and um, you know he worked all across Canada. He worked in the states a little bit, and uh, very good guy, a very good uh, musician, singer. And uh, let's see who else. Well, the Rogers Brothers Band. I worked with those guys. That was probably the the first band I worked with, and I worked with them for about four or five years. When did you get the job with them? Um, 1959. <laughs> wow, so you're, quite, you're still quite young at the time. Well, I think it was 18, 19, maybe, by okay. then. And they, they were on these on these radio shows as well? I yeah, guess. they were actually the staff band on that show. Oh, okay. And, uh, and so we went, you know, every week as a kid, and then I started playing for dances, and you know, uh, we we would do a little show and then a dance to follow, type of thing, on every weekend. Oh, was that? And there was no no music in the bars or nothing like that in those days, you know. Just like halls so, and and radio. yeah, halls and yeah. Was that the Jubilee Jamboree? Yes, that was it. That you was saw the that. show. Yeah, I saw That's the oh, Jubilee wow. Jamboree, the Noon Show, and the Chuck Wagon Show are all yes. shows that uh, you you appeared to do in those days. And some of them were TV shows, or were they all radio? Well, the Chuck Wagon and uh, was was a TV show. Okay. And the Noon Show was a was a TV show. And I also did Spotlight. It was a local TV show. So were those re- really sort of effective in, in, in getting you like a bit of a bigger audience when you were playing the Hall shows, or were you just uh, the singer in the Rogers Brothers band at that point? Well, no. Um, like, I was getting hired as a, as a singer going to these different events, you know. And uh, most of the time I worked with them as a singer in the band. <laughs> but uh, when, on these shows, they had the Spotlight had their own band that they had set up for that particular show and they'd get different artists. They were getting like, um, you know, name people coming in. I think Emily Harris did one and people like that, you know, coming in as guest artist. And then they would get a local person like me maybe to do it as well. So, so you get the gig with the Rogers brothers in the late fifties and are they traveling around Alberta at that time? They were, yes. Living here and traveling around. So we did like, like I say, a little concerts, maybe an hour, an hour and a half concert and then a dance later on the weekends, Friday and Saturday, and we'd go out all over the country around this area, you know. Are you holding a, a job in those days, too, or are you just gigging on the weekends? No, I just, music was my thing, and I want, that's what I wanted to do. We didn't make a lot of money. Good thing I could live at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
<laughs> but they seem to have a lot of traction. It's uh, I've read that the Rogers Brothers did shows with like real legends like Ray Price, Farron Young, Wilf Carter, Hank Snow, and George Jones. It's like a pretty incredible list. Uh, were you in the band playing shows with these fellas? I did mo- most of those shows. We did like open acts for those sh- for those people. And they'd be coming in uh, with their own band or with the Rogers yeah, Brothers. Yeah, with their then? own. Okay. Yeah, with their own band usually, and we'd do a little local thing in, at the beginning, just like an opening act, kind of, you know. In the same kind of halls and stuff like that. It would be, uh, yeah, big like arenas and stuff like that. Oh wow! So big audiences. Yeah, big audiences. And we we did the Edmonton Garden several times, and that was the big, uh, uh, you know, the place venue in those days. How many people in there, do you think? I think they seated probably between five and 5,500, I think. And there was an appetite for country music in, in, in that region in those days. Those stars would have been selling those shows out? Oh, they were sold out. I remember the biggest show I ever saw there was the Johnny Cash show. And oh. they, I'm sure they were just hanging off the rafters. It was so packed. And I don't think there was a fire, <laughs> any fire, you know, uh, deals like where you had to have just so many people in those days. What year was that, the Johnny Cash show? Probably the late late 50s, early 60s, but I, wow. I just don't remember the year. So was it the Rogers Brother gig that led to your meeting with Webb Pierce? No, um, um, I... I was hired by a local promoter here. He'd brought in him and Curly Gerlach. Curly was a disc jockey at CJCA. So him and Curly would bring in all these Opry shows. And so he called, uh, Benny called me one day and said, uh, I got a bit, Webb Pierce coming to Alberta to do three or four shows. You want to do some, you want to sing with them? So I said, yeah, of course, you know. And, um, and so I had met him when I was about 16 years old, but I can tell you that in a minute, but, that that time, um, when I was 16, Webb was in town also on an opera show, and our local group had a little event after, a little party, and all the opera people came. And uh, so everybody was singing and playing and just having fun. And so uh, our local promoter said, you should listen to this girl. And he said, I think she has a lot of potential to Webb. So he did, but he said, you know, she does, but she's only 16, too young, you know, really to go to Nashville now. But then later is when I went to Nashville. He came back to town to do some shows and, and you, you yeah. connected with yeah. him a few years later? Yeah. But what, the, the year that we connected was uh, the tour I was talking about. We did four or five uh, smaller areas, not real small towns, but arenas. Mm-hmm. And uh, Webb was the headliner, of course, and and I was with the Rogers Brothers then at that time, and uh, uh, he he we did our show, and then he came out to do his part, and he was about halfway through, and he said, "I'm going to bring Joyce out here again to do a song on my portion." Oh. I thought, "What the heck, you know?" Anyway, I I go, "What's going on?" And he said, "Yeah, just do do a tune, do whatever." So I said, "Okay, Jambalaya, the guys know that." And so I, I did that, and I did the song, and I got a pretty good hand. And he said, you know, I've known this girl now for a while. And he said, I'm pretty impressed with her work ethics and her da-da-da-da, you know. And he said, I'm going to uh, arrange for her to go to Nashville and, and uh, do some recording. Well, I was just floored, you know. Yeah. Anyway, we, we, we ended up going back to the producer's house in Edmonton after that show. And uh, he got on the phone 
woke Owen Bradley up in the middle of the night in Nashville wow. and said, I got this girl and I really want to get her a record deal. And, um, and so he, uh, well, he said, if you think she's good enough, then just go ahead with it and we'll figure it out, you know? So I thought this is never going to happen <laughs> because, you know, you get, when I was singing all those years before that, I did opera shows and, you know, Opry stars would say, oh, yeah, I can help you, blah, 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 you know, yeah. but it never happened. And, you know, you think that way. So anyway, um, he phoned Webb, but, or he phoned Owen. And um, so I went home and I was home for about maybe just three or four days. I get a call from Nashville <laughs> and it was Webb and said, your session is set up for this week. Can you come down? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready, you know. And so I did. My parents paid my way, the airplane fare and all that, and I went down and and we picked out songs. And uh, uh, Owen or Webb was in partnership with Jim Denny, uh, who was a very fluent, influential guy at that time in Nashville. And he was uh, Jim Denny owned the the Jim Denny Artist Bureau and Cedarwood Publishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, he said, we got this set up, so we'll pick the songs. And we did that. Leave It On Your Mind was one of them. And uh, we were picking songs in, in one of the studios downstairs. And, and uh, we had a bunch of, like, uh, demos to listen to. And finally, Wayne Walker walked in the room, and he said, you know, I got a tune. And I wrote it quite a long time ago, but I just have never put it on a demo. But I can sing it for you. So he did, and, and we were standing there listening. And Webb said, "That's the one. <laughs> we got it. We got to have that one." Wow! And so that's he, the first and, time you heard it. He sing, he sang it for you. Wayne Walker sang it for you. Yeah, yeah. Wow! And Webb was very good at um, uh, at, f- at finding tunes. He seemed to be able to pick hit tunes for some reason, you know. And uh, yeah, so that's what we did. And then there was the other side of that uh, record was "Hiding Out," which was written by. Webb and Teddy Wilburn of the Wilburn Brothers. Right. Yeah, it's cool. You can still still find uh, those original recordings. I mean, obviously, you, you, you went on to re-record that, I'm sure, years later as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you got down to Nashville, like, was that the place that you always wanted to go? And, you know, you've been promised the, the, the chance before and it didn't pan out, and, and now you're finally there. Like, were you excited? Were you intimidated? What was the, that whole range of emotion? You know, I find that I'm more um, nervous and intimidated by things as I get older than I was at that age. I was 21, I think, when I went to Nashville that year, maybe 20, I can't remember, 21, I think. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and I was just so excited. This is a lifelong dream, you know. Yeah. And um, I was so excited to be there. And, yeah. I wasn't nervous. I just let's do it. <laughs> just felt like you were finally, finally where you should be. Well, I didn't think that way then. I don't think. I just, I was just, I'd beside myself because I, I was so happy to be there. Must, yeah, must have been so exciting. And and after Wayne Walker sings "Leaving on Your Mind" to you, do you immediately like the song? Or are you are you like I I can sing this? You know, I like the song. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, but the funny part is, after I heard the playback. You never, I don't know, you're a singer, I know, I've read that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when when I hear myself back, it doesn't sound great to me. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's, you know. Yeah, it sounds better in the moment sometimes. Well, you know what, the, the people I've talked to, most artists I've talked to, Kitty Wells, one for instance, says, I hate listening to myself. 
you know, and, and I've talked to several that have said that, and I'm the way, I'm that way, because I thought, am I the only one that thinks this, you know? Um, had you had much recording studio experience, though, before you arrived in Nashville? We had a couple of uh, records out of Edmonton here. We we used a CKUA radio studio, uh-huh. and because they had all the equipment and all the gear at that time, you know. Right. And uh, I had recorded for Point Records, uh and rodeo records, they're all like we're Canadian mm-hmm. uh, companies. And uh, yeah, so that's how we got on record to start with. Was that the Rogers Brothers? Yeah. Yeah. And you guys, so, and those are like, you know, regional releases that are, are getting radio play within Alberta. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, Owen Bradley, uh, such a gigantic name in country music and, and Decca Records, and uh, w- was he was he hands on uh, during the sessions down there? Oh yeah, he yeah. was like uh, right there. He uh, he said, "You're doing the Opry Saturday night, just bang, he, it was done." Wow. And uh, yeah, and so I did, and I had three standing ovations. Uh, called me back, and uh, he was really impressed. He said, "I would like to manage you, Joyce." So I said, "Oh God." I mean, it was such an unsurreal thing, you know, the whole week there. And um, but anyway, we ended. I I ended up signing a five-year contract with him, and uh, I had three uh, single releases out of Decca at that time, and uh, during that time, and uh, then Jim, the last record I did, shortly after that, uh, Jim got sick with cancer and passed away very quickly. And so he was a big push in my career. I mean, I was so lucky to meet that man. But Webb got all that started. I mean, he, him and Jim were partners, you know. And uh, so I, I just have to, I'm so thankful to them, you know, for what they did. But when you, you know, what do you do? You're down there by yourself and you don't know really anybody. Like, where do you go, you know, mm-hmm. to try to get uh, advice or whatever, you know. Um, well, yeah, yeah, it must be a little bit overwhelming and, 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 uh, it was, yeah. So you, you're on the Opry like before the singles even released. Oh yeah. Wow. So the same, the same weekend that we recorded, I was on the Opry. Do you remember much about the actual session? Like any of the musicians that were there or how long it took to pump that out? Oh, we have, we had such a great, well, they were like the, the crew that everybody used in Nashville in those days, Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Ayers sang backup. Uh, Owen Bradley's brother Harold played bass. Uh, Floyd Kramer on piano. Pick Robbins on piano. So we had two piano players on diff- on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harold Bradley, let's see, Buddy Harmon on drums. Grady Martin played guitar. Wow. Bobby Moore on bass. Holy. Billy Kramer played guitar as well. Four violin players for the Nashville Symphony. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just. It was the cream of the crop. I mean, you couldn't get any better. Yeah, Owen's crew was was the was the best. It seems. And where we recorded was uh, Columbia Studios, which was the old Bradley's barn. Right. Wow. So, so that must have been. Yeah. And so you you had obviously you know known those those musicians' names and their playing from the records. Oh, for sure. Yeah. W- were you intimidated again there, or was it like I it did? I, I didn't really. I was I was nervous because I wanted to be good. You know, you want to do the best you can. You sure. Know? And and I was nervous that way, but I guess we got through it. <laughs> you guys just record? Did you record live off the floor? Like are the Jordanaires live right off there? the floor? And we didn't. We maybe did it. Uh, we actually did a two two 
run-throughs. Mm-hmm. And the third was the session. That was the, that was the record. You just know it's the one. Them guys, they are they're so good. Those are the best. I've got I've got goosebumps just talking about these guys and, yeah, and the sounds yeah. of those records. Like, yeah, I, I love yeah. the way that sounds. And in the headphones, there's a mono mix of 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 your version of the song. And it's I've listened to it a few times. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. That's just, awesome. It's so. It's just. It's just. Uh, I just love country music and and yeah. and that era in particular. You know, everyone yeah, is really yeah. playing for the song, and to, to think that they can do it so quickly and so efficiently is is oh amazing. And they're all and they were all so great so nice and so helpful and you know one of the jordanaires said joyce just sing it like you sing it we'll follow you <laughs> you know it's like holy cow yeah <laughs> and they were all they were all gentlemen and webb pierce and, oh, and Owen Bradley. perfect yeah you know what uh you hear of you know a young girl going to nashville and getting you know these guys after her i never ever had that ever there they were always very respectful. That's so nice to I hear. I met their wives and their families, you know. And, yeah, no, it's uh, Webb was just a total gentleman. And so was, so was Jim. But I, I was probably around Webb more than Jim, you know. Were you in Nashville for some time a- after the session and after the recording? Uh, we were there. I was only there a week at that time. And, uh, and then in 1964, my husband and I went back, and we spent a little time around there. And uh, we tried to get some, you know, something going because, uh, uh, like, it was just after the, my last record that Jim passed. And I wanted to, you know, see what I could find out, you know, if we could get something else going, you know. Right. But uh, there was, you know, if you have to live there, you have to be there. You have to be a part of that scene. Hey there again, folks. As we approach the halfway point of today's episode, I'd like to thank you once again for tuning in. You're listening to the Northern Report Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Burns, and our guest today is Joyce Smith. I'll remind you to follow along with the Northern Report Podcast and our playlist on Spotify. You can subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, listen on YouTube, our anchor.fm home base, or wherever you find your podcasts. During Joyce's whirlwind week in Nashville, she was fortunate enough to sing on the Opry stage and record a timeless and beautiful song with some of the biggest names in the history of country music. Now leaving on your mind may be widely regarded as a Patsy Cline song, and though there's no doubt Patsy's place at the very front of the line in terms of American music and singers, I'll implore you to go find Joyce's recording of the song. Her voice cuts every note and every phrase coming straight from the heart and entirely believable to the listener. To be able to convey this emotion at such a young age, while perhaps not yet having directly experienced such romantic hurt, speaks volumes about Joyce's ability as an interpreter of song. We'll hop back in and find Joyce on the cusp of releasing what became her signature song, gigging at Panther Hall in Fort Worth, and her return north of the border. Yeah, forget about you pretty quick if you're not right there reminded of who you are. But, I mean, the the single goes on to sell in excess of 100,000 copies. It's a radio hit in in the USA. Uh, Were you surprised uh, by its success? Um, Yeah, I was. 
because when I heard the record, I thought, oh, God, I didn't sing that very good, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so when it's it, like when they played it, I, I couldn't play it for anybody here till it was actually released. Decca told me not to play it for anyone till it was released. So, you know, I listened to that thing when I got home so many times. I'm like, oh, God, that's not very good. <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. and then when they started playing on the radio and it started becoming like everybody wanted it and I just unreal. <laughs> uh, it's, it seems very, very common to me in all the country music uh, research that I've done. You know, it's, it's not uncommon. In fact, it is common that some of these songs are recorded by multiple artists multiple times within the same year. The story goes not long after your single comes out. Patsy Cline hears the song, uh, convinces Owen to let her record it. What's your reaction, and how do you feel about Patsy doing the song shortly after you did? The, the week I recorded it, uh, I went back into Owen's office because I was leaving, like maybe the next day. I can't just remember. But anyway, he said, oh, Patsy was in here yesterday. I played her rec- your record for her. And my heart dropped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said she wants to, wanted to record it immediately. She loved the tune. And he said, I... I just looked at her and I said, no, Patsy, this girl, I'm going to wait and see what she can do with this record. And he did. He waited for a year. Gave it a good chance. So, yeah, like he gave it a good chance and it it did well. Yeah. You know, and uh, I I don't know how many it actually sold because I got that from DECA. You know, they send out all these things telling you where the record's playing and how many sold and da 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 And I got that probably in the mid-60s from them. So, I mean, it could have done way better than that, as far as I know, right. you know. yeah. But at that point, he said, uh, Owen said, or, yeah, not Owen, uh, Jim Denny said, you have a, a hit seller, a hit song here. And, like, they they know, I guess, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, so how did you feel about Patsy doing it? Actually, I, I was, I, in a way, I was disappointed, but in another way, I was, I was, I was um, thrilled because right. she liked my record. Yeah, and she must you have know. been one of your favorites, I would assume. Oh, she was one of my favorites, and I met her when I was a very young girl. She oh. had come up to Edmonton on an Opry show, and my sister, I wasn't driving, I wasn't old enough to drive, I was about 14, 15, mm-hmm. and so, but she was with a bunch of oh, Jim, what's his name? A bunch of different Opry guys anyway. And, uh, we were talking and she, she gave me a, an LP, signed it for me. And she, I, you know, she found out from people there that I was a singer and, and she encouraged me to do it if I want, that's what I wanted to do. And my sister and I talked to her for quite a long time and ended up driving her back to her hotel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So we had quite a long chat with her. And she was quite a lady. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't swear I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. but she could cuss like a <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> well, it's all those years in country music. Well, sure. She had, you know, she'd been on the road for a long time by then. You know? Yeah. They were probably working them r- really hard in those days as far as that goes. Oh, for too, sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you had to be tough, I think. Oh, you know? yeah. I think you still do. But I think back then it would have been much more hard, like much more difficult to, to be yeah. on the road and the yeah. demands of getting you out uh, so often. So did you were you sent out to tour behind the single after it came out? Uh, not from down there. I came home uh-huh. and uh, was waiting to see, you know, what things did. I never did go back there to work. Oh. 
which is a shame. I should have just you moved there, you know. Yeah. But hindsight's twenty twenty, right? <laughs> but you got to do the Opry uh, one time, or was there another? Uh, one time. Okay. Yeah. Was that, yeah. I mean, that must have been a thrill. Like, uh, what can you tell me about that? It was. Well, here I am standing in the same spot that all these famous people stood at. Even, you know, like, oh, just everybody, you know. Every every artist in country music that was a star stood in that same spot I stood at that night. And you know? do you remember who else was on the show that evening? Uh, you know, Hank Snow was on it. I don't remember, really. I was so... You know, so excited. I bet, yeah. Mind you, that's how many years ago now? <laughs> 60 years ago? Yeah. Um, so so uh, I read somewhere that you did, I don't know if it was one show or a string of shows uh, at Panther Hall in Fort Worth. I, oh, George, my husband is a rodeo cowboy. Right. Okay. okay yeah. So he, uh, he, him and I, he worked a lot of rodeos in the U.S. in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. So we went to the States and he was working rodeos and we ended up in Fort Worth at the rodeo and uh, uh, a bunch of us said, let's go out and find some country music. So we found this club called Panther Hall and they said it was pretty new and pretty, pretty nice place to go. And so we ended up going there, a bunch of us, and it was a Wednesday night. They had a, didn't have anything going on in the main uh, room, but upstairs they had a little uh, like a hoot nanny bar, they called it. And uh, anybody could go in there and get up and sing with the local band there. Uh-huh. So we're listening, and some, some of the music was really good. And anyway, the cowboys, Joyce, you got to get up there. And they're hauling, get Joyce up there. <laughs> <laughs> and it ended up I got up and sang, and I, and I did quite a few tunes. I, I was like, they wanted me to stay up there. And uh, <clears throat> after after we were finished, uh, the manager came, owner came over. His name was Corky Kirkendall. What a name. And, uh, yeah, and he said, uh, what are you doing? Like, are you staying around Fort Worth? And I said, well, we, you know, we're rodeoing, and George goes from city to city, you know, or, and uh, we're not, we don't really have plans except to rodeo, you know. And uh, anyway, he said, well, would you be interested in playing and singing here? I said, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they, um, they had a, like a six, seven-piece band, six or seven-piece band there. And their name was Pat Grogan and the Cowtowners. And uh, and uh, anyway, he they hired me. <laughs> so George and I got a little apartment, and we stayed there for about six months. But you see, I I'm a I'm a dual citizen with the U.S. But I did I didn't get this until just in, in the last fifteen years. Okay. I didn't know I could get it until the last fifteen years. Put it that way. My dad was American. Okay. So anyway. Uh, we ended up staying there and we didn't have our papers to work there and they were paying me under the table, which was okay. But I got a little nervous, (laughs) you know, about that because I didn't want to be kicked out of the country. But anyway, we ended up coming home. We were there from January till I think the end of June. And you're playing six nights a week at Panther Hall. No, we played uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I think. Okay. Yeah, and what was that room? I mean, the, the it's one of my favorite records is Charlie Pride at Panther Hall. As yeah. far as a live record goes, it's it's fantastic. So was it a big room that you were singing in? It held about two thousand people. Dance hall style, Texas country music. Yeah, yeah. Texas dance hall style. Yeah. Oh wow, that must have been. Oh, people... George tell 
George tells me three thousand now. Okay, wow. for three thousand. Yeah, it was built for a tournament for a bowling league and our to- tournaments, and then they turned it into a nightclub. Really? And uh, yeah, it was called Panther Hall. I could send you some stuff if you want. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I got a couple of old pictures of me on stage. It's oh, got yeah. Panther Hall across the top. Oh, please. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I worked with the local band there. The the and they were good. Pat Grogan and the Cowtowners had really good musicians. And uh, well, it was his band, but Corky ended up wanting me to be pos- like to be uh, promoted as Joy Smith and the Cowtowners. I felt kind of out of place in that situation, but, but they did that. Joy Smith and the Cowtowners with Pat Grogan. <laughs> it was kind of unfair to Pat cause he's a really good guy. Yeah. You know, but, um, did you guys return to Canada after, after that stint there then? After, yeah, we came back home and we were going to go back to, to the States cause we were going to get, I was going to get my papers and go back and then it ended up the local station here that I worked lots for before, CFCW, did a lot of promos and rodeos and, you know, remote control things. And so they hired us for the whole summer. Oh. So we stayed home and worked the whole summer doing, taking our bands and going around doing rodeos and playing rodeo background music and playing uh, afternoon in the fair, like, like behind the, ro- the rodeo um, stands and all that, you know. This is the 60s? Yeah. In the 1960s? Yeah, this was, would be, probably would be, hmm, I'm thinking 65. We came home in 64 from from Panther Hall, or from uh, Texas. So it would be 64, 65, yeah. So this is kind of uh, at, at the time when, I guess, I mean, in the, in the years to come, the, the six-nighter sort of circuit starts to, starts to happen. Did you find yourself in that, entangled in that world eventually? Eventually, but we didn't, uh, we, we found the bars opened, I'm trying to think, in 1965 or 66, to six nights a week music, musicians could play. Right. And that, then we started working every night. And are you staying still staying sort of regional near Edmonton, or you? Kind we of, stayed right in Edmonton then for the longest time because we ended up having two kids and oh. and staying home and doing that, and and so we had work locally, right in town, and then uh, then we branched out because you kind of we wanted to get out and do different things, so we started going on the road a little bit more as the kids got older, and uh, you know, uh, we played like Calgary Ranchmans. Uh, uh, Saskatoon, Barkay, you know, different places like that. You know, probably you know all those places too. My but. my parents met at the Barkay. Oh, you're kidding! <laughs> my father was a picker, and my parents met there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What's your dad's name? His name was Mike Burns, and at the time he was playing with a fella named Joe Firth. I know Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up out in Ontario. I'm in Winnipeg. Oh now, wow. Yeah, yeah. So yes, and I'm still, you know, still in touch with some of those guys with Paul and Mike Weber that were with Joe and. Yeah, so I know I, all those guys. I bet you do. To yeah. Playing those gigs, we all cross paths as you load in and load out. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that must have been tough. I, you, you had children, and you're out there doing six nights a week. It was. It was. How did um, you do that? How did How did you maintain that life? My mom would come over and stay while we were on the road for a week or two, and <laughs> yeah. then, and then you know, thank God for your family, you know. Then you come home and work locally for a little while, six nights a week, right? Yeah, but most of the time, like we sometimes we were gone three, four weeks at a time, 
traveling, doing six-nighters, you know. How far and, away uh, from Edmonton would you guys get? Well, we did, uh, we worked in Saskatchewan and B.C. a little bit. And mostly Alberta, mostly Alberta. With, uh, with the Rodeo Wind Band. Yeah. And did you get to, you know, I mean, there's so much work. I know people were coming in and out of bands a lot, but uh, did you, did you, were you able to maintain a sort of steady group of players for a while in that group? We had, we had a lot of really good players, uh, but you, as you know, they come and go. Mm, yeah. But we had, you know, basically we had a, I can just tell you who we had. We had uh, Myron Shot of Fiddle, who worked with, uh, you know, Myron? Yeah, he worked with Ian Tyson a bunch too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Monty Paul on drums at that time for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob Anderson played guitar for a long time with us, who worked with Scalar after, Black Brian Scalar. Right. And uh, uh, Red Volkart played guitar for us for two or three years. Oh, I bet Ken, he did. <laughs> Ken, yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Uh, Ken Near on Steel, who was from Toronto. Um, who else did we have? I think here. My husband on bass. Oh, I didn't. Okay, I didn't know he was in the band. That's cool. Yeah, he plays bass. So, there you go. and he he run the band. I mean, he was the he looked after all that stuff. Did any of those guys? Uh, I mean, I guess other than Red, uh, go on to to solo careers of their own or fronting their own bands. Uh, well, like Myron does solo stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And we're we're all still real close friends. I talk to Red often. Quite a, he's quite a guy. He's a great guy. Do you know to be on the road with a guy like that? He's so fun. I bet he and was... plays so good, and he's so into the music. Well, all those guys are. If you, I think you know, if they're professional people, and this is what they want to do, and this is their passion, you know, they're they're all great. You know, was it was it evident that Red was you know the the one of the better players in the region in those days already? Well, the funny part was about that is he came to play a gig with Dick Dameron at, uh, in Leduc, which is just a little suburb here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, George and I went out to visit with Dick cause we're old buddies, very close friends. And so we went out to listen to Dick and Red was playing for him. He'd come in out from BC, I guess. And, uh, Dick hired him for that gig. And anyway, we're listening. I said, Holy cow. Can that old guy ever play? <laughs> He's like 25. He was 19. Oh, even better. <laughs> and he looked 45. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. And uh, I said to George, holy cow, can that old guy ever play? So they took a break and they came over and sat with us and talked and talked. And finally we said to Rita, are you going to be around? You know, are you playing locally or anything? Yeah, just gigging, you know. He didn't have anything steady with Dick, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Dick didn't play every week, you know, and uh, so it ended up we connected and he came to work with us. And you get to, you stayed in touch with a lot of these fellows uh, throughout the years. Oh yeah, we went to Texas, uh, and I don't remember what year. Yeah, he was in where, where was Red when we went to visit? Not Austin. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's in the area. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, there's I saw a, a, a good sample of videos from the Number One West TV show. That was Sklar's show, right? Yeah, right. And that would have been, I mean, mid-late 80s that the, all these videos yeah. of you are, are on there. So you were, you were, yeah. you were going at it uh, pretty hard through the 70s and 80s, like consistently still and recording. Oh, yeah. I've never stopped. You know, I started playing, like, early, real young, and I got with the band when I was 18, 19, and... I really have never stopped playing. You it's know, over sixty years. Yeah. 
Um, Up till, like this last few years, we have a group called the Canadian Country Music Legends. My husband and I started it about uh, 20 years ago, in 2000, actually, as a Millennium Project. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we hired um, the best people we could hire that would attract the older people doing classic country. Okay. You know? Yeah. And so we got Jimmy Orge, uh, Bev Monroe from CFCW, uh, many others. And we, then we ended up bringing in a guest artist. We brought Marie Patrell, um, oh, several different artists. Mostly we tried to use Canadian artists, mm-hmm. but we did use a couple of American artists. We used uh, Loa Lucille Starr was our guest several times. Myrna Laurie. Claude Gray came up a couple times or once, I guess. And oh, did, cool. Did a couple of shows with us here. But probably, oh, just a few Americans, uh, you know, we tried to keep it Canadian because we were the Canadian country music legends. Right. And we tried to keep it that way, you know. Uh, the Six-Nighters I so- sort of started to dry up in the early to mid-90s. Were you still at it at that point? Yeah, we're still playing, you know, getting, we're working, mm-hmm. you know, pretty regular. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and then, yeah, the Canadian Country Music Legends uh, organization and show. And, and, and I guess uh, it's a way to, you know, preserve the sounds and the music and give people, you know, yep. a memory of, of, of the music that they fell in love with. Uh, can you tell me what kind of shows you guys are playing? Uh, you know, before, like you're playing in theaters and halls still or how does that No, work? we played mostly theaters, uh, like soft theater theaters. Right. And, uh, and really nice, nice venues, you know. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were selling out everywhere because, you know, People, there's people out there craving to hear this kind of music, which they don't hear hardly ever on radio and that type of thing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we, we were very successful with that show up until the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you, I mean, as things sort of start, started, uh, you know, kind of seem like they're headed in the right direction, will there be plans to resume those shows in the future, you think? Oh, I think there will be, but, you know, uh, we're all getting older yeah. as far as us, the musicians and stuff. But, yeah, I think we'll be we'll be doing some things, you know. Um, I don't know when we're going to open for that. Like, we're opened a bit here now, but, like, uh, a theater, you can only have 150 people. Well, that wouldn't even cover the rent and the, you know, of yeah, a venue. when you're putting and, a show and that on. Type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't, we can't do that yet. But hopefully they'll open it. And they're talking about opening right up. Oh. So hopefully, um, we don't have any dates or anything yet, but hopefully it will be soon. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's great. It's great that you've got all these records. I mean, you, you recorded for a number of labels. There's, there's lots of, uh, lots of Joyce Smith music out there in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate, you know, everything that I've got and, and, and people like you, you know, that are interested. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've had, uh, uh, just a, a wonderful life in music and uh, I know well-deserved uh, honor of being inducted into the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame. And uh, I really want to thank you very much for taking a few minutes here to tell me some of your story. It's, I really appreciate it. You betcha. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time to talk. Well, friends, I hope that you've enjoyed my chat with Joyce Smith and a sincere thank you to her for taking the time to share her story with us. A number of re-recorded cuts from Joyce's catalog are available wherever you're streaming music for a nominal monthly fee, or dig in on YouTube, where there is tons of live videos to chew on, as well as Joyce's recordings from the Decca label in the early 1960s. That's episode 20 of the podcast here today, friends, and I'd just like to let you know that I'll be taking the month of August off 
of the pod, and I'll be back in September with some fresh, exciting episodes. In the meantime, follow, subscribe, like, share, and leave us a rating if you would. I sure do appreciate all the folks who have taken the time to do so already. Our logo was created by Boots Graham of Boots in the Hoots, Central Alberta's finest honky-tonkers. Music on the show today is courtesy of Sean Burns and Lost Country, The Divorcees, and Skinny Dick. From local legends to regional stars to the cream of the Canadian crop, you'll find it all here on the Northern Report. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll chat later. Hey, pal, what do you got for me? Step right up. Come on in.